Welcome to the next episode of the Quantum Shit Show with Jody, Bo, and Danny. This week's episode is so far going to be about what a quantum healer is and what quantum healing is. I think that's actually, I, I brought a topic from the first episode about what is a quantum healer and mixed it in with the actual topic, which was what is quantum healing? So that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about. What is quantum healing in this quantum shit show? <clears throat> uh, we briefly have mentioned before what quantum means. I don't know. At some point we could probably pull up a definition if we wanted to, but uh, pretty much we're just going to have a conversation about, I guess, all the different ways that that can show up. You know, different ways to look at uh, a reality as quantum or existing in multiple places at once. Uh, I think this is a really good conversation and one of the basic foundations of what made us want to start this podcast. Because we're having a quantum experience. What does that mean? We're having a multidimensional uh multifaceted experience what does that mean <laughs> it means that <laughs> there's a shit show of this world as we know it that we can basically relate to all of the uh people who are understanding deeper levels of like consciousness man uh but then you have in that same um place what we would call normies which not there aren't many normies but uh, I guess I, I'm saying that from a biased place of knowing a lot of people connected to the quantum healing community. So I guess in, in some people's lives, that's all there is. It's just the world as we know it, the science as we know it. And that's all we look for. Uh, that would basically be like what we think we know, <laughs> yeah. what we think we know, what we've been told, right? Uh, what we've been shown pictures, images, history that we've been shown, the, the quote-unquote real world. Um, but then you have that multidimensional aspect, the energetic aspect, things that are, um, you know, for a lot of people compartmentalize. And we're also having an experience of that too. Uh, categories that <laughs> seem to kind of encompass the God experience or the experience of spirituality. Uh, and there's only a few things in the world as we know it that come to try to describe or define what that experience of God is. Um, and so a personal perspective from the lens of three people who have not only been on their own healing journey, but started to um, and continue to facilitate or hold space 
for other people in their own healing journey uh, have seen a little bit more that goes on behind the scenes uh, than what, for example, a major religion would describe as a spiritual experience or what some books, um, New Age books, literature have described or even Eastern cultures, Far Eastern uh, spiritual belief systems can describe. We're trying to bring a really well-rounded, balanced conversation to this experience of God and describe for someone who uh, has maybe been on a healing journey or is just maybe finding this podcast, break down what is quantum healing? What do we mean whenever we say quantum healing communities, uh, quantum healers, different modalities? I think that we have the space here to touch on it all, um, at least for the next hour. So, <laughs> Well, you know, for me, I can honestly say that whenever the the phrase quantum healing came into my awareness. This was a couple of years ago and I didn't know what it was. I've since, you know, kind of like looked into it and everything and found that Deepak Chopra was actually the originator of the term quantum healing (laughs) in the late eighties. So let's just be clear. Okay. (laughs) I'm telling you guys, it's like we start to get into these, um, brands of spirituality and these uh, labels of spirituality thinking, well, it's not this anymore. And it's not that anymore. Now it's this, this is the way quantum healing is the way, you know, and all of this shit is made up, you know, and in fact, he was actually even um, ridiculed by scientists and, and, you know, people of the science community because of his use of the word quantum. And it's, um, it's misuse basically in his explanation of healing. Cause it was like, this is actually stepping outside of the bounds of true physics when you're using this word and throwing it around in terms of quantum healing, you know? And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a tendency for that disconnect between science and spirituality, but you know, I think the goal really of quantum healing is to kind of like bridge that. And for me, as someone who had experience with quantum physics before I ever came into what we know as quantum uh, psychic work or quantum energy work or quantum healing, um, I had this idea that it was going to be very much rooted in, in like quantum physics. And then, you know, much to my surprise, when I entered into this community, I was like, wow, this ain't nothing like it. Um, or what we, what I was shown to be quantum work was nothing like it. Right. But through my own experience, I've actually found my way back to that bridge between quantum physics and quantum psychics. So from a very like quantum physics standpoint, um, a scientific standpoint, quantum, the word, and, uh, actually refers to the minimum and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm trying to like really draw on my memory recall of, of what quantum means in like the realm of quantum physics. But if I remember correctly, it's the minimum amount of any physical entity um, Mm -hmm. involved in an interaction. So these quanta, that's the plural quanta are also called packets. They're also called packets or energy packets, meaning that they're a complete packet, however small of a singular um, entity or energy. So for example, photons 
are the smallest unit or packet of light. So therefore they're called light quanta. So a quantum field, such as an mm. electromagnetic field, is a kind of energy and potential uh, spread throughout space. And so physicists really think of um, every particle as an uh, excitation or an interaction with something um, or usually a quantum field. So um, and the best way that this was described to me in the past was if you imagine like a glossy pond surface without any movement whatsoever on the surface, and then we toss a small pebble onto the pond surface, the water's going to pop up and ripple out. So the pond surface is a metaphor for the quantum field, and then the pebble is a particle. So the interaction of both of those together is an excitation. So for me, through my own experience and my redefinition of what quantum work is, because it certainly is not what people have told me that it is upon entering yeah. this, this work, <laughs> right? So quantum energy work or quantum psychic work is actually just the smallest amount of our physical entity that has an interaction with God source energy, which is the source of all creation and true alchemy, which is the quantum field, right? So <clears throat> this is how we heal on an energetic and molecular level. And I think people kind of get swept away in, um, in the lore of it all, as you like to call it, Jody, the lore of it, um, mm -hmm. the storylines, the fantasy, the codes, the colors, the new earth, whatever, whatever people are fixated on right now, but that mm -hmm. isn't what actual quantum work is. So quantum energy work is the smallest interaction between our consciousness packets, air quotes, and God source, which then creates an excitation in our personal quantum field. Um, which then creates an excitation in, uh, in the collective quantum fields and so forth and so forth and so on. So again, um, it's quite simple and not super complicated other than the complexities that arise um, within the humanness of the self, uh, which really just means that we have to get out of our mind and out of our own way in order to have an interaction with God. Um, so for me, that's kind of what quantum work is and what it isn't is all of these storylines, all these timelines and things that people try to kind of like insert themselves and their consciousness into that doesn't actually facilitate actual like healing. Correct. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, what it has become is it's become psychic work. We've become glorified psychics. And here's the challenge with that. I mean, just the very word itself is coming from our psyche. It's coming from this part of us that can be manipulated and fractured. And I'm not saying that people don't have true gifts. I'm not saying that people don't have the ability to actually tap in and feel and know and see and all of this stuff. I mean, those of us just sitting here right now in this podcast, we all have visual gifts. We all have some claircognizance and clairsentience and, you know, all of these things. I, I know that those things are, uh, true in the sense that even science can validate them, you know, but what I started to realize in quantum healing was that people would often call it a reading. I want to get a reading with you. I want a reading. And I was like, well, I'm not doing cards. Like I don't do tarot. I don't do any of these things. It was just very interesting. I have noticed that that terminology gets used so much in people seeking a session. They want a reading. And I'm like, oh, you want your palm read? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then let me send you somewhere else because I don't actually do that, you know?
Um, <clears throat> it's like people want you to peek in to their life and go, here's your past, here's your future. Now do with it what you will, you know? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that doesn't resonate with me at all. I mean, that's not how our, it's not to say that we don't have things come up in sessions or see things or know things about somebody that we, listen, we've gotten into the field, I'm using air quotes, with people and tapped in to that space and had knowings of things and seen things that we couldn't know because we don't know them you know, but they come up, they reveal themselves, you know? So there is a level of, um, gifting, I guess, if you will, if you, if you can be in a, a pure space of being tapped in. Um, but I think that what people have been calling quantum healing has created such confusion in the community at large that this is what keeps people from being able to feel even competent to step into a healer space because they don't know all the nuance and they don't know all the ins and outs and they don't know what all the light codes are and they don't know what these beings are about and they don't know how to tap into this being and that being. They don't even know how to see the light body. And this is a big thing right here because this is one of the key components of field work is being able to see the light body. And Bo and I have been talking about this because from a physics perspective, right, Danica, you're talking about physics. It's like people don't even understand the mechanics of light in the body. And so what they're seeing or what they're being trained to see isn't even the light body. It is the mental body projecting a light body. It is literally mm. like a projection <laughs> from the mind. And so people mm. are tapping in and then they're pulling up all this psychic information because they're tapping into the mental field. They're not tapping into the light of the body because we don't even know how to identify the light right. of the body because we're not educated in physics and we're <laughs> quantum healers. You know, it's like, it's so funny because there are like, there's a very practical um, explanation for air quotes, the, the light body because um, our body actually emits photons. It generates them and emits them. And then the uh, the mitochondria actually do so as well. I can't remember the process. I think it's called autofluorescence or something like that. Autofluorescence. I think that sounds kind of right. I don't know. Something along those lines. But um, so our body actually does create light packets, light quanta, and um, emits them. And so perhaps that's the actual light body. Well, and then you have to also, this is science, y'all, the heart radiates an electromagnetic field that moves out and around the body and it, and it recycles itself in through the body. Yeah. Like a torus. Yes. So from my estimation, if we're going to look at anything, we need to be looking at that. And people are like, well, how do you see that? Trust me. You can once you are aware of its existence, once you are aware of the fact that this is what the body does and you tune yourself into being able to view light. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think to this, I will be honest, listening to the definition of quantum, um, even as I said in my little intro, I'm like, we got to look up a definition of this. <laughs> well, I paraphrased. I paraphrased. So it could be incorrect. Well, I wasn't. I think that that's, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm just basically acknowledging that learning more. Of, I don't realize what I thought I realized. I, I don't know what I thought I knew. 
That's what I'm realizing right off. Welcome the bat. to the quantum shit show. <laughs> shit, man. I don't know what I thought I knew. Um, but I guess <laughs> I guess I'll be talking about other things then. Um, like how I'm feeling and things that I do know. But, <laughs> but uh I, I guess what you're saying um is bringing up something for me too because you were talking about um being able to really feel the heart or no like being able to see what that is and like being able to actually uh perceive that and i think that there's a lot of focus around sight too that gets people really caught up and it it keeps them kind of disconnected from Mm -hmm. their other faculties that they can use to perceive Mm -hmm. things like whenever they're feeling the heart or even being in a space with someone else, which is all a session is, is sharing a space um, and calling a specific guidance system in and connecting and using that guidance system. That's inherently a part of each of us to communicate at a level that isn't so uh, basic as what we think we communicate with, with our language, um, it's sort of a, a knowing and communicating with those different frequencies like you're talking about, babe, uh, from the heart and actually being in that space. And to be able to perceive that, you don't need to be able to see it all the time. And I think that's something that I'll say because I can see and a lot of times I feel it more than I see it. Mm-hmm. And I think if people actually saw what they're feeling they wouldn't know what the hell was going on <laughs> because of the geometry of it all. Like the, I mean, there are, there are people out there that are listening to this right now who have uh, had psychedelic use or even without the use of psychedelics had an experience where, I don't know, maybe you like leaned, put your head down on your desk and like put too much pressure on your closed eyeballs for too long. And then you started seeing patterns and shapes and flashing lights or, um, you know, seeing all kinds of things and not being able to make sense of them. That's really kind of what we're talking about here. It's not so cut and dried as, uh, you know, I see a person from your past or like the psychic um, disguise mm-hmm. or the psychic persona where you're seeing all kinds of things. I, I think from my own experience, being able to make sense of what the hell I'm actually seeing comes from feelings in my body and that's really a big part of what we've talked about too with embodiment so i just wanted to share that too because there are some things breaking down about what i thought i was going to talk about and i probably still will but um i'm just listening to everything that you're saying and feeling that heart-centered consciousness is probably more accessible than the people out there listening to this right now that feel like if they can't see, then they're completely useless right. in this experience. Yeah, I think this is a good conversation because when people ask me about my sight and things like that, the way that God communicates with me isn't necessarily through like one specific sense that I have. It's almost very much like an like what I was talking about earlier, these energy packets. It's kind of like a zip file that kind of comes into my field. And then it's like a whole experience kind of unloads from that. And then I've like, I might see a combination of pictures or feelings or hear a song or hear something like a specific phrase or something like that. And it's all happening all at once. And it actually takes me 
a couple moments to really kind of, um, I guess, integrate it and then be able to articulate what is actually happening because it isn't like, and, and a lot of times people will get hung up on it because they're like, well, I don't even know if God's talking to me. I'm not hearing a voice or I'm not seeing anything, but that's not really the way that God communicates with me at all. Like I said, it's like a packet that kind of downloads into me and then, yeah. and then like, like a zip file kind of unloads all at one time. But I think what you were saying, Bo, is really important talking about like psychic sight, because um, I, I think I think it's important to acknowledge here um, that when I am when I am in a session with someone, I am consistently asking God to help me see, feel, hear, know within the context of the heart space and not in the mind because the psychic sight, like you were saying, Jody, it, it stems from the word psyche. It's all a mental space. Yeah. That's where the narrative, that's where the storylines, that's where all this stuff comes from. Um, and we have to, um, it's really ego driven. That mind is ego driven, right? So, it's important to know that true consciousness is anchored in the heart space. And that's where true telepathy, true sight, true knowing and gnosis, true vision, true feeling, all of that really comes from the heart space. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's a really good indication that someone's coming from a, a very much a mental space or a, uh, psychic space, uh, whenever there's a narrative, um, involved. Not always, not always. Cause I'm going to say, you know, there's, there are some things that have come up in sessions that very much felt like almost like, um, like a complete story kind of like unloaded in me. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't really have to do with the timeline. It had to do with like the person's experience or their trauma or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, but I think it's important to, to not overinterpret these things as they come up and just kind of like share what you're seeing and then let the other person that's kind of like the, the client, um, kind of expand on it and see what's coming up for them. Because after all, it's facilitating healing for them, not creating a story for them to identify with, you know? Yes. Well, and I, you know, in all of my experience with quote unquote quantum healing, um, <clears throat> I remember the first quantum healing session I received, which was in 2019. That's what I, I want to hear the, these stories like from <laughs> both of y'all, like what's your first. Yeah. The first quantum healing session I received in 2019, I had never had anything like that done. And, um, it was very interesting because the person who was working in my field, I'm using air quotes. Um, was running all kinds of light codes and this and that. And I felt energy moving through my body. Like I, my body was moving and I could feel it. It was really intense and powerful. But the other thing that was happening was a lot of information got dumped in my space that I did not understand. Um, there was a lot of terminology that was used. There were things that were said about, oh, I can see that you have connections to the temple of Isis and you have this snake energy running through your body. And I was just like, what, what? Oh my God. What? Like I'm freaking out. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. And I was like, is it, you know, I'm <laughs> just like <clears throat> trying to understand what was happening to me in that space. And I can't even remember everything that was said to me. There were things that stood out. Um, and it was, you know, looking back on it now, it definitely was very, very much a psychic experience. And here's what I want to say about that. I don't mean to say this in a blanket statement, like this is the only way that that psychic information comes in. But in the session work that I had had like that, these people were accessing information from things that they called guides, their guides. And 
I don't know who their guides are. I don't know who they're talking to. If they're talking to Grandma Sally or if they're talking to the second commander of planet blah, blah, blah. I, I don't right. I don't know who they're talking to, you know? And so it was very, it, it, I, I wasn't scared in the session. It wasn't anything like that. But I really do remember that that was a, a turning point for me in my understanding of whatever this quantum business was, that there always had to be guides involved. And that made me feel a little bit like I need to know more about that. I need to understand what, who are these guides, you know, who are these beings? And I had my own journey with that uh, too, which I will share in this episode, but I just wanted to share my very first experience. It, I didn't feel bad about it. I, I think I gained um, some insight um, from it, but I held everything that I heard and received very loosely because I didn't know what to do with it. You know, it was a new experience for me. And even in that moment, I never thought I'm going to be a quantum healer one day. <laughs> like it didn't even cross my mind. I was just in such a, a a space in my own life. Like I was on a journey of physical healing in my own life, and my life just was all over the place in terms of like some relationship stuff. And so I was really just looking for healing, just like everybody is when they come to those sessions. I think. Well, I say that that's really what my desire was. I think after being in that space for a little while, I started to realize that people were really looking for fortune telling, you know, they were, they were looking for soothsaying, you know, they were looking for someone to soothe whatever was going on in their life and let them know it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You're important. You're this person. You, you have access to these things. You're, you're Christed. You're this, you're that, yeah. whatever, you, you know, went through this cause you're special. Yes. Like we're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, that was my first experience. And I didn't, it wasn't like I did a session and then I was like, I need to book my next one. I literally just sat with it for like a month and a half and was just like, I don't even know what to do with that. Do you think that people, um, when they come into these places and into these containers, do you think that they're originally actually looking for radical healing and then their wounds get exploited into some sort of situation around like fortune telling? Or do you think that that the majority of them are actually looking for um, a fortune teller because that's what most people know. Um, I think. Go ahead. I think the majority of them are looking for real healing. I think so too. I think that's initially what provokes that thing in them. That's like looking for where to go. Um, healing. I don't know if they would call it healing. I think they're looking for escape. I think they're mm -hmm. looking for a way to get out of whatever they're in. You know what I mean? Like I need help that basically. Can, yeah. I think that that can happen to a lot. That happened yeah. with me. And then, and then once they get in there and things are, you know, being revealed or whatever, I think that through that process, depending on the level of their wounding and their trauma and what they've actually done work around, I think it can lead into a, um, an obsession with, <sighs> being in a quantum space all of the time because it's escape. It, it really is. And, and it lets them escape their regular life and um, pretend. And um, I'm not saying that some of the things that come up in those sessions aren't true or real or whatever, but I am saying that by and large, what I have seen and what I've experienced myself in having sessions done and then giving session work um, or being in session work with other people the things that Bo and I have encountered in, in those places and people being like, well, I did a session and I was told that blah, 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 blah happened to me in the past. And I was told that I'm this person. And I was told that this is something that I carry. And I was told this and I was told that just like, 
oh, so do you just kind of like move around and try to figure out like who's got the best story to tell? And then that's where you go over and over again, you know? And and I, I don't mean to be, you know, an ass by saying that, but I just, I understand that as human beings, when we feel overwhelmed by life or we feel like defeated almost by our circumstances and we're unsure about how to remedy a thing that we feel like we're looping in, we will become a little bit obsessive about things that feel like they could potentially pull us out of it, you know? And I think too, um, just like you said, there's obviously when we're talking about this, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of subtlety that is not always going to be expressed because sometimes it's so subtle that it can't be expressed or we don't have time or we just happen to not touch on it. So please don't take the things that we say as some sort of like generalization, but, um, to just kind of like expand on what you're talking about, Jody. Um, I am finding that, uh, oh my gosh, I just like lost my train of thought again. (laughs) Why does, why does this keep happening? Okay. Somebody else take it and I'll come back to it. I'm sure it'll come back. I was, um, exactly what you said, Jody was my experience, um, with getting into healing stuff. And I'm kind of starting to realize that the, I, the persona of the healer I'm totally imagining. Well, first of all, this is just from my programming because I'm kind of, that's my point is that this whole thing is a program. But the thing that I think of is a middle-aged person, usually a woman who wears long, flowy dresses and clothes and has dangling earrings, all kinds of bracelets and jewelry. I kind of like that gypsy persona, you know, of just like, the palm reader, the crystal ball visionary, right? And the, (laughs) just the whole image Mm -hmm. that I think is a big part of this um, predisposition that even I had to how I viewed myself whenever I started to kind of find avenues that resonated you know, based on like resonance based journeying, you know, like we're walking and we're the things that we're interacting with are changing based on what feels right at the time. Um, that kind of led me into the woo woo. And then even my mom having that thing going on, she swung the pendulum from religion all the way into teachings around manifestation. I mean, you have these massive manifestation and abundance teachers, mental uh, stuff. I mean, A Course in Miracles, mind training, Mm -hmm. um, you name it. Uh, That had a really heavy influence on me as well. And then also the the psychedelic journey that I had in my teens and then early 20s really offered – deeper insights, but not much healing at all. And I know that these things are being combined to heal, um, which I have opinions about or whatever, but at the time, those things were giving me connections that I was making, you know, access to the quantum without actually transmuting any of my wounds. I was being faced with myself over and over and over in those experiences but I was also being faced with something that was very alluring and very distracting from the trauma. Mm -hmm. So I had all of this experience under my belt of being able to handle my shit while on a few tabs of acid 
or a few grams of mushrooms. Now there's people who have been taking this every day for years, but I had this kind of psychedelic badass thing going on. Like I'm a badass cause I can keep my shit together and be under all these influences and know the secrets of the universe. And I had this whole thing going on plus all this trauma of running in the background. Um, so by the time I actually had an experience in a meditation, which I wasn't meditating because I was trying to heal. I was meditating because I was in an environment where people meditated and I was trying to fix my court case. I was in rehab <laughs> also. So that was my real intention mm-hmm. was to get the, the law of the United States government or the Texas government <laughs> off my back and be done with the judicial system. But I was doing an, a meditation that was a guided meditation inner child experience. And I had an experience of myself that the psychedelic substances could have never given me. And I realized it was one of my like most like core wounds that I had never actually remembered or I didn't have any story to it, but I had the symptoms and I had the after story like my behaviors, my behavioral patterns were all described by this little child version of myself that was quote unquote trapped in time. A little quanta of myself, a little pixel of myself (laughs) trapped in time that said, this happened to me. And just like in this little kid voice. And I had this reckoning within myself that I'd never had before. And that like really opened the, the, what I've always called like the quantum lens it helped me to realize, well, first of all, it helped me to heal because it helped me to see more of an insight into why I did the things that I did. It gave me uh, something to tangibly kind of like remember access to my memory. Mm -hmm. And now I know that it's, we're getting into like more and more theories around simulation and programming and I remember at one point, whenever I was experiencing this, it was very real for me. Mm -hmm. And it described a lot of things that I had been through and felt so bad about, felt so wrong for. And then, of course, there's this thing. It's like, well, this thing actually happened to you. And then this is the wound that you've been perpetuating your entire life, recreating that. Because as a child, that was my, my intro into my quantum healing was inner child work. I started to see how the wounds that I experienced during my childhood, the traumas or the misidentifications that were solidified into me started to create and cycle throughout my life as I was plugged in to by these programs. And then they started to use me as their main medium of recreating new timelines, new stories, new people, places, things, the circumstances, but recreating the same energetic circumstances as the trauma program itself so that was an experience where i can genuinely say i was doing a quantum based healing without even realizing that i was doing it Mm -hmm. and this is what we see so many times with people i mean i know you've experienced the same thing um babe in the work that you did for years before ever having that quantum healing session Mm -hmm. and doing the same things without having the lingo or without having someone come in and tell you, Hey, this is called quantum healing. 
I think that people have not only been disconnected from their abilities, but it's been brushed off or shrugged off if it's not able to be clear cut, defined. This is a healing modality that's accepted nationwide and taught and educated based on this system of education. This healing modality is a psychosis event or it's completely like clinically dismissed as, um, you know, some sort of mental instability. And so I think that people are experiencing these things at many levels, even for, for many, many years, their entire lives even, and not really having a place to go with all of it. Yeah. And I think that's a big reason as why we're having this conversation too. Right. Whoa. There were a couple things that you said in there that I was like, holy shit. Um, but I do remember what I was going to say earlier, Jody, when you were talking about how it seemed like um, everyone would just kind of like went around to different air quotes, quantum healers and got sessions and tried to identify with different aspects of who had the best story or whatever. And I think maybe I mentioned this in the previous session, but I've definitely said it before. Um, but one of the first tenets that we teach in quantum work is not adhering to an external doctrine. And so whenever we're going to these sessions and we're looking for these external affirmations about our story or these things about us, these, these psychic sessions, it's, it is becoming a doctrine that we're adhering to. So we're like replacing one cult with another, one religion with another, one dogma with another, one doctrine with another, because a lot of us are coming out of a space of um, breaking free or trying to break free from certain doctrines. But then we find ourselves right smack dab in the middle of another one. And quantum healing work can actually become one if we look outside of ourselves for affirmations rather than doing the healing work within or being guided or coached through the healing work you know, within in our own selves. And I think that's, that can be quite like a danger with this type of work is people going into sessions. And just like you said, like, Oh, you have the codes of the temple of ISIS or this, that, and the other, they're being told things about them. And then they're being things that they didn't even feel themselves or know themselves. And they're identifying with them and building these false identities around this. This is going right back to the identity conversation that we had in the last session, but but it's that they're being told these things about them, that they have not come to these conclusions or these resolutions of their own accord or through their own healing journey. They're showing up to a container and having a narrative spoken over them. Yes. And they're not showing up to a container. Some, sometimes they are. It, I guess it really depends on who they're working with. But sometimes they do show up to container and they're actually like coached through how to do it on their own or coached through um, a certain process of, of re-embodiment or re-insoling or trying to identify certain traumas in the body and trying to discharge them from the body or whatever. But by and large, what I'm seeing being called quantum work is people showing up to a container doing nothing for themselves to facilitate their own healing not even being a participant in their own healing and then having a whole narrative spoken over them and then them coming out of it feeling rejuvenate, rejuvenated and renewed and healed because they've now put on the mask of a new identity, you right. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like a whole thing. And then Bo, you were talking about psychedelics. I feel like this is such a cool, cool topic that we could go into for sure and kind of expand on, but something that you were talking about um, that actually came up for me recently uh, and of course, I have my own opinions um, on psychedelics and 
um, this, the consciousness within them and how it's been kind of exploited and corrupted. And I can see that now through the lens that I currently have the scope of experience that I have. But I remember, um, I have my own history with psychedelics and in my last experience, um, that I had, it was several years ago. I did, uh, quite a few grams of, of the mushrooms, <laughs> um, in, in a very controlled setting with a couple of my friends. And I just remember going into a state of physical like paralysis. And of course I was listening to Bach. I was listening to like classical music as I was doing it. So I had like, a, I actually had a really cool experience, but there were times before that where I didn't have great experiences, right? There were terrifying experiences that I had because I was blasting open these, what, what I thought were organic realms, which I know now are like inorganic, like artificial dimensions and experiencing them through the lens of trauma that I was holding in my body at the time. But the last, the last, um, psychedelic experience that I had, the one I'm talking about where I was listening to classical music, I just remember being in a state of like very physical paralysis. And then that, uh, almost a surrender into it. And then when I actually got to a point where I could move again, I just remember set, sitting up and my friends, we were up in like uh, almost like an attic space in my friend's house. And we were, had thrown a bunch of pillows and comforters and stuff down. And I remember <laughs> sitting up and I was like covered in a blanket and my friends were like also just like covered in a pile of pillows. And I was like, whoa, I just grew the fuck up. <laughs> Everyone just started laughing. They both started laughing. And I was like, I feel, I feel like I just did like 10 years of therapy and like three hours, of yeah. course, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of stuff happened that I can see now, but coming from a very, um, like practical and physical standpoint, I recognize now that that whole experience that I had, one of my biggest fears is a fear of not being in control. And this, this book that I mentioned in my last, uh, in the last episode that I'm reading right now called waking the tiger healing trauma. It's by some, I think he's a psychotherapist or something like that. He was, the book was written in the nineties and it's, he was really a pioneer on like trauma as energy, stagnant energy looping through the body and just reading it, um, made me have this realization about that last experience that I had. And he talks about the, um, the, like the traumatized human and kind of relates our traumatic experiences. And mind you, this, this, this doesn't have to do with childhood trauma. This is very like, um, I guess situational trauma, like, uh, surgeries, accidents, mm -hmm. um, you know, perceiving human carnage and things like that, things that actually traumatize us, but like not as a child, right? Cause yeah. childhood trauma is a little bit different because you don't have life context to compare it to. So, so it's like stored differently in the body. Yeah. But he talks about the predator and the prey and um, how when we're going through a traumatic response where we have this supercharged energy that kind of flows through our body, this hyper adrenalized energy. And if our very natural process of like, um, like maybe escaping a successful escape or um, a problem solving to complete the process um, for, for example, he uses, um, a story from the 1970s about a group of children who were, um, I guess their school bus was hijacked and they were taken hostage and put in an underground, um, an underground, uh, 
um, trailer and it started to cave in on them and all of them were frozen and immobilized in a fear response. Well, one child actually helped all of them escape. And because he had the wherewithal and the, uh, his faculties intact to actually move through and solve the problem and escape, he completed the physiological process. And therefore he actually was not traumatized, but all of the other kids ended up having, um, psychological trauma show up later in their lives. But this, this person didn't because he wasn't immobilized in that, um, freeze response, right? He, he went into fight or flight or problem solve, right? Rather than the immobilization. So going back to my experience with psychedelics, um, I found that, uh, it somehow had that, that state of going into that physical paralysis or immobilization that <laughs> six grams of mushrooms <laughs> had on me was, <laughs> was, uh, it very much completed a process. And I remember some of the visualizations that I was, that I was having in that moment was actually, maybe it was a combination of music and everything in that whole experience, but it actually was discharging energy from my body. And so I actually did come out of it less traumatized than previously before. And that was the last time that I had done psychedelics, but I look back at that now and I notice obviously some other things that happened during the process, right? Some other energetic and or quantum things that happened that I was unaware of at that time. And of course, now I have my own, um, you know, experiential, uh, opinions around like what psychedelics do to the consciousness body and the fragmentation that occurs from it because of, um, lots of different things, obviously, but it was coming up for me whenever you were talking about like your experiences with psychedelics. And I thought that that was, um, maybe it was fresh in my mind because it just came up like literally yesterday when I was reading the book. So, yeah, but, uh, but it had a very physical, um, like, one very specific physical benefit. And that's why I woke up from it feeling like I had gone through 10 years of therapy in two hours because a lot of the energy that had been stored in my body had actually been discharged from it through that, uh, from that period of surrendering into the paralysis or the immobilization and then coming out of it. Okay. (coughs) You know, because my, my, one of my big fears is like losing control, not being in control in my body. This actually goes into, the, the conversation, Jody, that you and I had the other day about the astral and our perceived inability to actually move through um, traumatizing experiences in our dreams, not being able to move or flee or dial 911 or like run or fight, like not being able to move our limbs, that re traumatizes us yep. yeah. and stores energy in the body because we're not completing that process of escaping, right? Yep. There, <laughs> there are some um, um, places in physics um, and physicists um, who talk about, um, you know, this quantum uh, accessibility of being able to lucid dream so that you can basically do what you're talking about, Danica. And in a sense, you know, as I'm listening to this, I'm like, oh, that's the power of lucid dreaming, knowing you're in a dream when it's happening, because then you change the narrative and you collapse the trauma. Mm -hmm. That that thing is not doesn't have a grip on you. And and honestly, there are physicists who attribute having like <clears throat> that ensouled beings are beings who are able to lucid dream and control the narrative of that astral interaction so that they don't get trapped in trauma. You know, they learn how to access that part of themselves and control the narrative. So 
anyway, that's that was interesting that you just said that because I something that Bo and I've been talking about <clears throat> recently, and um, I was sitting here thinking as y'all were both speaking about these different things. Danica, your your experience with psychedelics, I have not had any experience with psychedelics, um, except what what did I do? Your weed experience. Oh, so really I did. Like the- I'm not saying I haven't done any of these things. I'm just saying I've never like done mushrooms or anything because I am such a control freak. That's why, because I am terrified to be out of control. (laughs) I'm being honest about that right now. Um, but no, I did have an experience once with gummies that, oh my God, I, I remember I felt like I was trapped in time and like I had no, uh, ability to judge Like time did not feel like it was moving space. Space around me was just like stagnant. And it was, it went on for four hours. And I remember how hard I prayed in that space of like, God, if you get me out of this, I swear I'll never do it again. And, um, and I haven't, I've never done it again. It terrified me actually. It was, it was a, what I would guess a bad trip would be. It was just so terrifying. I didn't heal any trauma. I was re-traumatized repeatedly. (laughs) So unfortunately that actually happens a lot to people. I know in my own experience, um, you know, my first experience with psychedelics was horrifying. I was 13. I was at a party. I snuck out with my cousin and I went to a party in the country and I had, you know, I had smoked a little bit of weed. And I was like, Oh, I have cotton mouth. So I went to the refrigerator and I poured me like two big glasses of (laughs) Kool-Aid. Turns out that wasn't regular (laughs) Kool-Aid. Oh my God. Yeah. My cousin was like, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. It was horrifying. I tripped for 36 hours at 13 years old, completely re-traumatized me. And then um, of course, you know, I don't know why I continued to do it (laughs) over and, you know, like on special occasions, of course, I never took that amount ever again. I literally felt like I remember watching Pulp Fiction. Oh, and when I watched it again, I was like, I thought this was a comic book. (laughs) And they were like, what? And I was like, I don't know. The first time I saw it, I swear it was a comic book on TV. And they were like, no. Yeah. I mean, it was, I have all kinds of um, fears that I've had to work through regarding that first experience that I ever had with psychedelics. And, and um, even some experiences that I've had with hyper anxiety, having, you know, smoked marijuana um, and, and it having some sort of weird reaction to it where I just remember one time being paralyzed and like completely out of my body and just feeling like my mind was a um, like a, what are those things called? I can't even think of it right now. Like a fi- like a fi- a file box. That's not the right word. Accordion like well thing. Is that what you're <laughs> One of those things that holds all those files in it. I can't even remember what it's called. Like a file cabinet. <laughs> a file cabinet. <laughs> a file box. Come on now. <laughs> And like all my thoughts were like all of these little manila folder files or whatever. And it was like flipping through them at the speed of light. And I was like, couldn't even like grasp a thought because it was moving so fast. And I was like, oh my God, my mind is, I'm, I'm going to die right now, you know? And um, 
unfortunately, that happens a lot to people who use these mind-altering substances. Mm-hmm. Mind-altering. Yeah. And it fractures the consciousness and they get re-traumatized. And then that uh, that energy cycles through the body. They don't know how to discharge it, right? And so then it's just trauma that builds up and builds up over time. And um, yeah. Then you start getting into an epigenetics conversation there too, because of the experience and the memory and the timelines that are held in the body start to affect the DNA, Mm -hmm. especially if it's chemical manipulation, Mm -hmm. which is inorganic, non-biological manipulation to a quote, end quote, biological (laughs) system. And that's where you start getting ancestral memory these cycles getting passed down and then certain susceptibility heightened susceptibility because of the dna that was manipulated by our own account Mm -hmm. by our own choice and the lifestyle that we chose and the things that we repeated repeatedly did over and over and over yeah i as we've been talking about this i was recalling um like what my first interaction with what was being identified as quantum healing was before I had the quantum healing session. The reason I had that session was because I had enrolled in a quantum healing practitioner course. And um, that course was all about, here's the interesting thing about it was they were bringing shamanic practice into it, like literal physical shamanic practice, and then channeling beings in the quantum work and then wanting us to practice on each other. And I was literally doing sessions with people that were in other countries. It was bizarre. I actually had a healing crisis in that quantum uh, coursework that sent my body reeling. I mean, I didn't know what I had done. I had unleashed a bunch of stuff in my body um, physically and energetically. I had no idea. And so it caused kind of a collapse. And then I found the person that I went to for a quantum healing session that that led me down another trajectory of then going and taking some Oracle course and which was all for nothing. Um, But like Bo mentioned before, the thing was, is that I already had an intuitive way of connecting with God, first of all, but then also like doing what I was calling healing work. I wouldn't have identified it as quantum healing work because I didn't know to, I didn't know that that's what you called it, but I bringing all this up because I was in a quantum practitioner course that was using shamanic tones and body stuff and all this stuff and channeling this girl. She, we're channeling Lyrians. And I was so hilarious. <laughs> um, and Arcturians and this. And then I was like, what are these being? What is this? You know, I don't know what this is. And then went from that into following this person who claimed to be an oracle and realized that her definition of quantum healing had to do with her ability to channel uh, information from ETs. And so then I started to see that there was this trend in quantum space at quantum, I'm using air quotes, spaces where, you know, the person who was doing the healing had access to these, uh, you know, interdimensional, multidimensional spaces with beings and they channeled information and they did all this stuff. And I couldn't, I personally wasn't like connecting with that right away. And I remember having a very distinct moment praying 
and I had gone through these courses. I had seen and witnessed all these things. I didn't feel afraid of it, but I felt confused by it because I remember praying and saying, if God is all, and if God is the end all be all that I think that God is, why do I need to talk to other beings? Why can't I just talk to God? Why can't I get my information directly from God? And I remember instantly in that moment, there was this like knowing that came into my body and was like, and that is all there is. You just need this Christed essence anchored in you. That's where you can connect with God and get what you need. And I was like relieved in that moment. I was like, oh, thank God. You know, not to say that we didn't have sessions and stuff come up where there were like this being and this being, not to say that that stuff didn't happen to us because it did. Um, <clears throat> but we also had to learn how to push it out. We had to learn and go, okay, enough of that. Enough of that. I don't know what that is, but that doesn't feel good. And I feel like I kept feeling like channeling these guardians or these beings or whatever, or using them for assistance in field work was leaving us open to so much more error than is already possible as a human being. And I guess for the last year or so, maybe a little less than that, um, we've just been so conscientious of creating space for people to come into what we call session work and opening up a space where there's room for them to have conversation if they need to, you know, share whatever they feel comfortable with, but really creating safety there and, and facilitating God presence, like just being a space where God can show up mm -hmm. and do work in that space, you know, like Danica, you said, like helping people participate in their own healing, you know, whatever that is. And, um, we have had to go through a journey of it because, uh, you know, in personal relationships and connections, a lot of that was also influencing our work. Mm -hmm. It was influencing what we were tapping into. It was influencing what we were seeing when we were in that space, what we were feeling. I'm telling you, there've been sessions that we've done where it was like, we felt like we were going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole of all of this storyline and all of this stuff. And we're trying to figure it out. We're like, what is this? What does this mean? You know, thinking that we were supposed to, thinking we were supposed to figure it out. And just like literally coming back into a relationship with ourselves and with God and letting it be okay for it to be clear and simple. And redefining for ourselves what quantum healing is, basically. So I said all that just to say that even the words quantum healing or quantum healing practitioner or whatever, uh, apparently it's very subjective out in that community. You know, it's like, it could be a number of things. Maybe it's shamanic work. Maybe it's channeling, you know, maybe it's quantum healing hypnotherapy, like Dolores Cannon. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> right. it's, many things. Trance. <clears throat> and so I understand why people feel confused by it, maybe even tentative about whether or not they think it's for them. I totally get it. I think this goes back to the first episode where Bo was like, there's two real realities happening right now, <laughs> subjective and objective. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to think of my first um, quantum session. Yeah, and I don't. Huh? I said, I'm curious about that. Oh, yeah. So um, I can't really remember a whole lot about it. I'm pretty sure that I probably took notes on it. So if I found my notebook, I could probably like, you know, give you guys a play by play. But 
one, there were some uh, hallmarks about it that I do recall that seemed to be hallmarks about every single one I've had afterwards. Mm. Um, and of course, my first uh, air quotes quantum healing session was with um, someone that we all, that we all know, and uh, <laughs> and um, but but very much like you said uh, in your experience, Jody, it had lots of different guides and guardians in it, different ETs or ultra dimensional uh, beings who were apparently the intermediary between this person and God. And they were directing what was happening to me. And just like you, um, I look back at those sessions and I'm like, why were they directing what was happening in the session to me? Mm-hmm. What was happening there that I was unaware of that I consented to through booking that session. Um, and there were lots of, um, there was lots of jargon that I didn't quite understand at first. That seems to be a thing um, is not speaking in plain terms because it's like, it's almost like using this jargon or this lingo um, adds to your credibility because if people don't know what you're talking about then they can't ask questions or they can't question you or whatever, you know? And, um, but there, and, and then of course I had another session with another person that one that we all know. And, um, hers was very similar. She, uh, uh, I had all these templates in me that had to do with like different planets or different extraterrestrials or things like that. I had different gifts and abilities, but again, it was just people telling me things about myself that I may or may not have known already. So they were either speaking a prophecy over me and trying to manipulate my trajectory and my being, or they were just affirming things that I already knew about myself. So there wasn't really any like fundamental healing that was taking place, okay. you know? So, so it's really interesting. I don't really remember a whole lot about like the specifics of it all, but I just do remember those things. There's always something around, uh, around like guides or guardians, um, templates that you may or may not have that are holding timelines or different gifts and abilities and things. And, um, just telling me things that I may already know and they're affirming it or just, you know, speaking things over me and telling me things about myself, about what type of being I really am or how interdimensional I really am or um, what access I really have to different things or um, dimensions or whatever. And, um, or what beings are trying to contact me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so all of these things, I can look at it through the lens that I have now and recognize that it's just um, empty or it's a manipulation of sorts. Mm -hmm. That made me think of something that actually I was thinking about with regard to the identity conversation, but it's perfect to talk about it right now. And that is how many times I encountered people, uh, not not, not necessarily a bunch of people, but uh, in a relationship that we had throughout this last year. Um, a particular person constantly being like, well, this person is a guardian of blah, 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 blah. They're a guardian of this guardian. And then guardianship became the coveted thing that everybody wanted to be a, a guardian. You know, they wanted to know what, what they were guarding. And I was like, I remember one time Bo and I talking and I said, it's funny how we haven't been told that we're, you know, somebody important from the past nor have we been told anything about all these guardianship things at the time that had not happened. And we're just hearing it uh, secondhand it, about. We would 
every, we would, yeah, we would everybody else. And yeah, there was just, and I mean, at the time that it was being said, you know, I just was in a place of like, well, if that's true, then that's true. And that's for them. That's not my business. You know what I mean? Like they'll have their own thing about that. And then as time progressed and more conversation was had and more understanding was coming forward, even among the three of us, I think is when it started to be like, this is dangerous, y'all. <laughs> like this, this is not healthy for people because what I kept seeing was people being linked to um, ancient identities, being linked to being guardians of this gate and this stargate and this thing and this. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on out there? Like, where is this coming from? And then watching it actually hurt people in the process and watching people spin out and abandon, you know, um, the community, so to speak, because they didn't know what to do with everything that was coming at them. Things being laid over on people, um, identities being laid over on people that they had no intention of holding and were terrified of it. And they were being, the identity was being projected onto them. And then there was like expectation that was being pulled like, well, you need to show up like this, or you need to show up like that, or, you know, and it may not even have even been spoken all the time. It was almost subconscious. And then it like hurt the other person. We watched that happen a lot. We've watched people fall out, like totally fall out of this quote unquote community that had identities projected onto them through quantum healing sessions. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that's not healing at all. It really is just decorating a wound because let's, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's a delusion of grandeur is what it is. When people take these things and they, they're literally, it reminds me of the, um, what is the crab in Moana who's decorating his shell shell with all these shiny things? That's like the shell. <laughs> the shell is our wound. Right. And then we're taking all of these things that we that we're collecting in the fields and we're decorating our wounds and our ego with these things, but it's not really facilitating the healing. And just like you said, it manipulates relationships. It manipulates um, alliances, creates false alliances, creates clicks. Everybody wants to be a guardian. Everyone wants to be this or that. And it's like, that is that projection of that wound and you're just decorating it. It is a delusion of grandeur is what it is. It is not conducive to healing. And I think that this actually is a good segue into the uh, like the star seed and the angelic con conversation, because um, that was something that kept coming up in my earlier quantum sessions with people that I had to like break down for myself, because it seemed like every time I had a quantum session with someone, they were like, oh, you have an Arcturian self or you have a Syrian self or you have a Spicken self or you're in a multifaceted star seed. Like you have all these incarnations and all these other places. But let's really look at that for what it is. Uh, like it's disembodiment. If I have all these other incarnations and other dimensions and other places, I'm not here now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where is God in that? Right. If God's in the self and found through the self, but I'm in all these other places. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. I think that this is something that we need some space and some time to really crack into. Yeah. Oh, I'm down. I'm down to have that This is a big part of the identity conversation that yeah. we had episode. And also you start <laughs> kind of where I'm at with it is starting to kind of see <clears throat> not only through in your own work, Danica and, and Jody and my own work, um, seeing the ET origin stories 
as told through different manuscripts, different platforms, different mediums, um, not just people mediums, but I'm saying like mm -hmm. the definition of mediums, different actually like vehicles for yeah. information yeah. that plus actively what world governments and military are disclosing about their technology that they're using the artificial agenda timelines mm -hmm. like the artificial yeah. intelligence mm -hmm. timelines and these things start to hold hands with one another you can't <laughs> kind of where I'm at is I'm not able to, at the point that I have kind of seen some of the things going on on this planet and also had my own personal experiences with this cosmic origin story and connections to different extraterrestrial races, the history of earth, so on and so forth. And then also have a hand in simulation hypothesis, everything being compared to quantum computers seeing how well that actually describes our experience. I can't keep them compartmentalized anymore. And I think that it is a sensitive subject to really take precaution and time to, if we are going to crack that bad boy open, which I'm excited to do, just kind of lay the groundwork for exactly what we might be doing or talking <laughs> about. Um, because yeah, we've, all had these experiences. I feel like you're right. I think it probably does warrant its own episode. Um, and we are nearing the time in this one anyway. So, hey. um, so maybe that's better uh, saved for another, another time. Yeah, Woo. I think so too. I just want to add something really quick around this quantum healing um, conversation um, because it has come up recently. And that is um, people who have had quantum healing sessions done or have participated in coursework or whatever. And, were given access to certain codes, certain light codes. Um, I think there's a whole conversation to have around this and, and uh, the code conversation is a whole thing. Like I know that's a whole conversation, Oh yeah. but hearing people talk about being granted access to holding certain things and then walking out of that experience and being pummeled in their life. Um, what we mm. would probably identify as like, psychic attack, you know, the things that make you shut down, make you feel disconnected, make you question your reality, make you question God. All of those things are what we would identify as like psychic attack. Um, but because they were carrying things that they were told were very powerful, they were also told, you know, having access to this is going to make you a target. And so I really feel like it's important to identify and to acknowledge that you know, when it comes to being in a healing space or a session, a course, any of that stuff, that truly, if God is granting you access to something that is that powerful, whatever God is giving us access to that quote unquote has power should not weaken us. Mm -hmm. Those two things cannot work together. <laughs> right. And boom. <laughs> there it is. And so I want to say that in case anyone has had these experiences where they feel like their life has been turned upside down after having a quantum healing session. I can't tell you how many times people will be like, I had a session and I'm just purging so much. It's so gnarly. And all I'm like, what, what is that? We, that is not, that's not real. You know, that, that would indicate that something is being played on or that your consciousness is still um, disconnected from your body. And other things are coming in and trying to fill the space. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes purging is real and happening, but not to the extent that a lot of people um, are, are are claiming that it is. You know, um, because in my own experience, purging for me is usually either some type of physical movement to dispel the energy out of my body. Mm-hmm. It is a a brief emotional output or it is simply a revelation that I have about something and I can feel the, the false skin, so to speak, kind of shed off of me. So it isn't like, I'm not spending weeks in a purging process. That is not, that's not healing. That's re-traumatization. Yes. Yes. Trauma response most likely. Oh my gosh. Yes. So in a nutshell, before we close this um, episode out, we would say that quantum healing is in fact what? What would we say? So for me, I would say that quantum healing is, it it can encompass a lot of different things depending on the person's subjective reality, but on a fundamental level, it is the very basic molecular energetic healing that comes from the interaction between us and God. So it is relationship with us and God. Yes, I like that. I like that. There it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. That's and it? That- Nothing to add? <laughs> no, I really like it because I do believe that it is about intentionally creating space where that exchange can happen. And we come in contact with truth. And we come in contact with God. And that contact transforms everything. You know, it just mm-hmm. begins transformative process within us. And that's what I believe quantum healing is. And I believe that that's what, if we can come back to that in quantum healing sessions, that then we begin to actually do real work of helping people move through trauma, come back into relationship with their true identity, come back into relationship with God. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. Because God is the true alchemist, right? So that's where the alchemy of the trauma and the wounding actually takes place is that interaction or relationship. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say even the time, like the timeline conversation is mm-hmm. so much of what we're doing here because mm-hmm. the the linear versus what has been called quantum or multidimensional, multi-existential, if that's even a word, I just made it a word. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a word, but either way. But that disentangling from all of the artificial realities and then coming back to mm-hmm. what was there before, mm-hmm. that's still linear, but, you know, not going to get too heady about it. Come back into your body, put your feet on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I like that conversation. Also, I feel like we're going to have we're going to have so many good conversations. Yeah. So stay tuned for Star Seeds and Angelics. What is God? Timelines. <laughs> what is God? Yeah. What is God? Yeah, because we talk about God a lot. So I know that this is probably some of, some of our listeners, I'm sure that it's triggering some religious conditioning and programming and things like that. So I feel like it's a good conversation to have and talk about our um, personal and individual experiences with God and what we know God to be and what our relationship is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. So down. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, that concludes this episode of the Quantum Shit Show, and we will catch y'all next time. Bye. Thanks.